Section 4 of the Fairchild Family. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Joshua M. C. The Fairchild Family by Mary Martha Sherwood. The Story of the Apples. Just opposite Mr. Fairchild's parlor window was a young apple tree, which had never yet brought forth any fruit. At length, it produced two blossoms, from which came two apples. As these apples grew, they became very beautiful, and promised to be very fine fruit. I desire, said Mr. Fairchild one morning to his children, that none of you touch the apples on that young tree, for I wish to see what kind of fruit they will be when they are quite ripe. That same evening, as Henry and his sisters were playing in the parlor window, Henry said, Those are beautiful apples indeed that are upon the tree. Do not look upon them, Henry, said Lucy. Why not, Lucy? asked Henry. Because Papa has forbidden us to meddle with them. Well, I am not going to meddle with them. I am only looking at them. Oh, but if you look at them, you will begin to wish for them, and may be tempted to take them at last. How can you think of any such thing, Lucy? Do you take me for a thief? The next evening, the children were playing again in the parlor window. Henry said to his sister, I dare say that those beautiful apples will taste very good when Papa gathers them. There now, Henry, said Lucy. I told you that the next thing would be wishing for those apples. Why do you look at them? Well, and if I do wish for them, is there any harm in that, answered Henry, if I do not touch them? Oh, but now you have set your heart upon them. The devil may tempt you to take one of them, as he tempted Eve to eat the forbidden fruit. You should not have looked at them, Henry. Oh, I shan't touch the apples. Don't be afraid. Now Henry did not mean to steal the apples, it is true. But when people give way to sinful desires, their passions get so much power over them that they cannot say, I will sin so far and no further. That night, whenever Henry awoke, he thought of the beautiful apples. He got up before his parents or his sisters and went down into the garden. There was nobody up but John who was in the stable. Henry went and stood under the apple tree. He looked at the apples. There was one which he could just reach as he stood on his tiptoe. He stretched out his hand and plucked it from the tree and ran away with it, as he thought, out of sight behind the stable. Having eaten it in haste, he returned to the house. When Mr. Fairchild got up, he went into the garden and looked at the apple tree and saw that one of the apples was missing. He looked round the tree to see if it had fallen down, and he perceived the mark of a child's foot under the tree. He came into the house in great haste, and looking angrily, Which of you young ones, said he, has gathered the apple from the young apple tree? Last night there were two upon the tree, and now there is only one. The children made no answer. If you have any of you taken the apple and will tell me the truth, I will forgive you, said Mr. Fairchild. I did not take it indeed, Papa, said Lucy, and I did not take it, said Emily. I did not. Indeed I did not, said Henry, but Henry looked very red when he spoke. Well, said Mr. Fairchild, 
I must call in John and ask him if he can tell who took the apple. But before John is called in, I tell you once more, my dear children, that if any of you took the apple and will confess to it, even now I will freely forgive you. Henry now wished to tell his father the truth, but he was ashamed to own his wickedness, and he hoped that it would never be found out that he was the thief. When John came in, Mr. Fairchild said, John, there is one of the apples taken from the young apple tree opposite the parlor window. Sir, said John, I did not take it, but I think I can guess which way it went. Then John looked very hard at Henry, and Henry trembled and shook all over. I saw Master Henry this morning run behind the stable with a large apple in his hand, and he stayed there until he had eaten it, and then he came out. Henry, said Mr. Fairchild, is this true? Are you a thief? And a liar, too? And Mr. Fairchild's voice was very terrible when he spoke. Then Henry fell down upon his knees and confessed his wickedness. Go from my sight, bad boy, said Mr. Fairchild. If you had told me the truth at first, I should have forgiven you. But now I will not forgive you. Then Mr. Fairchild ordered John to take Henry and lock him up in a little room at the top of the house where he could not speak to any person. Poor Henry cried sadly, and Lucy and Emily cried too, but Mr. Fairchild would not excuse Henry. It is better, he said, that he should be punished in this world whilst he is a little boy than grow up to be a liar and a thief. So poor Henry was locked up by himself in a little room at the very top of the house. He sat down on a small box and cried sadly. He hoped that his mother and father would have sent him some breakfast, but they did not. At twelve o'clock, he looked out of the window and saw his mother and sisters walking in the meadow at a little distance, and he saw his father come and fetch them in to dinner, as he supposed. And then he hoped that he should have some dinner sent to him, but no dinner came. Sometime after he saw Betty go down into the meadow to milk the cow, then he knew that it was five o'clock and that it would soon be night. Then he began to cry again. Oh, I am afraid, he said, that Papa will make me stay here all night, and I shall be alone, for God will not take care of me because of my wickedness. Soon after, Henry saw the sun go down behind the hills, and he heard the rooks as they were going to rest in their nests at the top of some tall trees near the house. Soon afterwards, it became dusk, then quite dark. Oh, dear, dear, said Henry, when he found himself sitting alone in the dark. What a wicked boy I have been today. I stole an apple and told two or three lies about it. I have made my papa and mamma unhappy and my poor sisters, too. How could I do such things? And now I must spend all this night in this dismal place. And God will not take care of me because I am so naughty. Then Henry cried very sadly indeed after which he knelt down and prayed that God would forgive him till he found himself getting more happy in his mind. When he got up from his prayer, he heard the step of someone coming upstairs. He thought it was his mother, and his heart was very glad indeed. Henry was right. It was indeed his mother come to see her poor little boy. He soon heard her unlock the door, and in a moment he ran into her arms. Is Henry sorry for his naughtiness, said Mrs. Fairchild, as she sat down and took him upon her lap?
Are you sorry, my dear child, for your very great naughtiness? Oh, indeed I am, said Henry, sobbing and crying. I am very sorry. Pray forgive me. I have asked God to forgive me, and I think that he has heard my prayer, for I feel happier than I did. But have you thought, Henry, of the great wrong which you have done? Yes, Mamma. I have been thinking of it a great deal. I know that what I did this morning was a very great sin. Why do you say this morning, said Mrs. Fairchild? The sin that you committed was the work of several days. How, Mamma? said Henry. I was not two minutes stealing the apple, and Papa found it before breakfast. Still, my dear, said Mrs. Fairchild, that sin was the work of many days. Henry listened to his mother, and she went on speaking. Do you remember those little chickens which came out of the eggs in the hen's nest last Monday morning? Yes, Mamma, said Henry. Do you think, said Mrs. Fairchild, that they were made the moment before they came out? No, Mamma, said Henry. Papa said they were growing in the eggshells a long time before they came out alive. In the same manner, the great sin you committed this morning was growing in your heart some days before it came out. How, Mamma, said Henry, I do not understand. All wrong things which we do are first formed in our hearts, and sometimes our sins are very long before they come to their full growth. The great sin you committed this morning began to be formed in your heart three days ago. Do you remember that the very day in which your father forbade you to touch the apples, you stood in the parlor window and looked at them, and you admired their beautiful appearance? This was the beginning of your sin. Your sister Lucy told you at the time not to look at them, and she did well, for by looking at forbidden things we are led to desire them. And when we desire them very much, we proceed to take them. Your father forbade you to touch these apples. Therefore, my dear child, you ought not to have allowed yourself to think of them for one moment. When you first thought about them, you did not suppose that this thought would end in so very great a sin as you have now been guilty of. Oh, mamma, said Henry, I will try to remember what you have said to me all my life. Mrs. Fairchild kissed little Henry then, and said, God bless you, my child, and give you a holy heart, which may never think or design any evil. Mrs. Fairchild then led Henry down into the parlor, where Mr. Fairchild and Lucy and Emily were waiting for them to go to tea. Mr. Fairchild kissed his little boy, and Lucy and Emily smiled to see him. Henry, said Mr. Fairchild, you have had a sad day of it, but I did not punish you, my child, because I do not love you, but because I do. Then Mr. Fairchild cut a large piece of bread and butter for Henry, which he was very glad of, for he was very hungry. End of section four.